Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. been in uh, the middle of a uh, just kind of a collection of messages that, unintentional really I had different plans but um, we we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago and I had so many follow-up questions afterwards I thought well let's just sit on this for a minute because if there's follow-up questions let's just go through and answer some questions and so that's what we're doing we um, if you want to hear the first message that was like a while ago and then two weeks ago we talked about speaking in tongues, um, and so for some of you that was like really weird, and for others of you, you were like, I was ready for you to talk about it finally, and um, so go ahead and listen to those uh, episodes on the podcast. We don't, we don't film. I've had a lot of people ask us, uh, you know, I, I can't find your messages, and I had somebody actually say today, they're like, well, I, somebody told me that they thought this church was gone because you guys don't put it on the internet, the videos anymore. And um, hey, hey, so here's the deal. Here's why we don't video. Um, we don't video for a couple of reasons. Number one is um, we choose not to do things we're bad at. <laughs> um, right? Because uh, we just choose to do things we're going to do well. And so what that means is if you want us to be able to put out video for your family or friends back in California, well, uh, then we need you to step up and participate in filming that because it takes a lot of people and a lot of time to make that happen. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to do it real poorly and we're just going to show everybody how terrible we are. So, um, so that's, that's the big reason. Um, and the second reason why we don't video is because you're in church, aren't you? It worked. <clears throat> and so <laughs> it got you in the building. It got you in the building. And so... <laughs> That's okay, though. Um, Sorry. Hey, so we've been in this this message about the Holy Spirit, and today I want to talk about prophecy. And um, I I just want to preface this whole thing by, um, you know, we we hear phrases sometimes that, or we hear ideas, concepts, that we just, um, we we say them and we don't really know what they mean, right? Like, tell somebody, I got to break a leg. Um, Like, what exactly do you mean when you tell someone to break a leg, right? Like, or, or like, have you ever said, like, or you've heard, the cat's out of the bag. Like, what, what is the cat's, the cat's out of the bag? What does that even mean? And so we know, we know how we should interpret it, right? The cat's out of the bag. We, we know that that means something like, oh, the kind of the gig is up. Like, people know what's going on now. But what, is there, what did it mean to the original readers? Because when it, when it comes to things like prophecy or really anything we're talking about, um, I really don't care how I was raised or how you were raised or what my preconceived notions on the topic are. What I care most is what does the word of God say about it? That's the most important question is what does the word of God say about the subject? Because that should inform how we understand the subject. 
okay? Um, and, and just for the record, Cats Out of the Bag uh, <laughs> was uh, back in like the 15 or 1600s, they would sell pigs in bags, uh, and when you were ripping people off, you would put a dead cat in the bag, and <clears throat> that's okay. And then, <laughs> cat's out of the bag, you got ripped off. Okay, so <clears throat> someone's like, I love my cat. That's great. Um, here we go. First, <laughs> uh, we're talking about prophecy, people. Uh, prophecy. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 is Paul prescribing what the gifts of the Spirit should look like when they're working in the church, okay? The book, if you want to know more about the gifts of the Spirit, you need to read the book of Acts because the book of Acts is the history of the early church and it describes what it looked like when it operated. So it's going to tell you what the early church looked like. It's descriptive in nature. So read the book of Acts. You're going to see all of the things we talk about here um, in, in life, in the book of Acts. But in 1 Corinthians, what Paul is doing, he's not describing the gifts of the Spirit. He's prescribing how they should operate. And that's a different thing. So when we describe something, we go to the doctor and we describe what the pain feels like, right? But then the doctor's response is to prescribe how we should behave next, the doctor may prescribe a, a diet to you. The doctor may prescribe a physical therapy. The doctor may prescribe medicine. That's how it should operate. It's different than describing how it is operating. Make sense? So Book of Acts tells us what it looks like. First Corinthians is telling us what it should look like. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7, it says this. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, okay? Uh, this word manifest, uh, manifestation has become sort of a common buzzword, especially with social media uh, type people. Um, it's a old, much older word than current social media trends, and it basically means that the Spirit of God is revealing himself or displaying himself, working through a situation to, to show himself in the situation. So the Holy Spirit, uh, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are not for you. They're not about making you puffed up. They're not about making you look good or make you look spiritual. They're for the common good. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is for the common good of the body of believers and, and the world in general. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So I want to start and say that when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about one Spirit. This is the Spirit of the living God. This is God revealing himself in and among his people. This is not multiple different things going on. It's one act of God that operates through his people. Because here's the deal. 
God's agenda was not just to like save you. Like his big plan was not, my, my whole plan is I want to save you. His plan is much bigger than that. He wanted to save you, set you free, and then empower you so that you can then be his hands and feet changing and transforming the world around you. That's God's purpose. He wants, he wants you filled with his spirit and gifted by his spirit to make a difference in the world around you. Crickets. That's God's, that's God's plan. And it's, again, it's, it's not, it, this is not some sort of weird type of thing. It's, it's very simple. It's just that if we believe, look, we believe in an all-powerful God who is working in and among his people, and the scripture tells us that he gifts his people to edify the common good. Let me say it like this. Here's a working definition of the gifts of the Spirit. It says, uh, I wrote, the gift of the Holy Spirit are supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit to help you in your daily life so you can help others. It's that simple. It's, it's that you have, there's supernatural abilities that God gifts different people with. Not everybody has the same giftings, but he gifts us all with different supernatural abilities that we can use in our daily life to benefit other people. This is the purpose of the gifts. And, and, and without the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, what happens is a church will always find themselves in decline because they become passive towards the moving of God's Spirit. Throughout history, anytime God has wanted to renew his people, he renews them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, like a reformation, a reformation is a return of the people of God to the word of God. How many people know that we need a reformation in our world right now? We need the body of Christ to, to come back to the word of God. We need Christians who think biblically. We, we need to come back to what does the word of God say? And so reformation is when we return to the word of God, but a renewal is when we turn to the spirit of God. And we need both in our world. We need people to turn back to the spirit of God. When it comes to these things, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't ever... Don't be so hesitant towards the things of God that you don't press in. When it says gifts, here talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the Greek word is charisma. It literally just means gifts. That's all it's talking about. So when you hear someone say that they are charismatic, what they mean is they believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And so it can be attached to any group. So there are Lutherans that, are, that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. There are Methodists that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. There are Baptists that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. There are Catholics. There's charismatic Catholics, people that just believe in the gifts of the Spirit. That's, that's what we're talking about. It's just saying, hey, I, I believe that God is still active in the body of Christ today in the same way he was in the first century. That's what we're saying. <clears throat> what would happen... If the entire body of Christ recognized what God's purposes were for their lives, what their giftings were, 
and they operated in those giftings. I'll tell you what would happen. Your workplace would change. Your home would change. Your neighborhood would change. The world around you would transform if the people of God would operate in the giftings that God has for them. I think people, people come to church here, and sometimes I'll ask them, I'll say, you know, why do you keep coming? And I'll have people tell me things. Some of the most common responses why people keep coming is, I just, I feel something different there than I feel, I, I just feel something different. Or I'll have people say, like, I just can't stop crying. Like, during the worship or during the preach, I just can't stop crying. And it's not because there's some sort of weird emotional trick going on. It's because you're being sensitive to the presence of God. Because God is at work. God is moving in and among his people. And that's how the body of Christ should operate. Often people will tell me as they're leaving the church, they'll, they'll say, hey, Pastor, I just, when you said such and such, it just, ah, oh, just resonated, touched me so good. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I didn't say that. Like, that's what you heard, but that's not really what I was saying. And I'm not saying they're wrong. What I'm saying is that the power of God can, can work alongside of our words even when we don't intend to, to say a specific thing. God, God can use our words to communicate to somebody. So <clears throat> when we're talking about the gift of prophecy, it's a gift in the New Testament, we're not, we're not talking about someone just sharing their opinions of what they would like to see happen. We're not just leveraging what we know about a situation or a person to be able to somehow manipulate them. You understand that? Using what you already know about somebody and pretending like it was God that told you it, that's manipulation. That's a, that's abusive. It's, that, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is something different. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. It says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Paul's admonition is that you would desire the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. Healing, prophecy, discerning of spirits, wisdom, knowledge. Like he's wanting you to desire. Like, people tell me, Pastor, I don't think I should desire those. I shouldn't pursue that kind of stuff. I don't think it's for me. No, the Apostle Paul says it's for you. He says you should seek it. And after this recommendation to seek the gifts of the Spirit, he then says this, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. That's the very end of chapter 12. The next verse begins chapter 13. And it says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. There's two things I want to point out. First is this. Sometimes people ask me about speaking in tongues. They'll say, well, are we talking about like human language or are we talking like human known languages or are we talking about like heavenly languages? According to Paul, yes. <laughs> right? But <clears throat> what's also going on there is Paul saying you can, you can 
operate in that kind of a gift all you want to, but if you don't have love, if you don't have the character of God in your life, you are nothing more than just a loud smash on that symbol over there. Sounds really fancy at first, and then it gets super annoying. He goes on. He says, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain Nothing. Paul is saying that, that if we don't have love, we're just making a lot of noise. And if we're not careful in the church, we can pursue the giftings of the Spirit and not the character of the Spirit. There's a huge difference between operating in your gifting and operating in God's character. And what Paul is emphasizing, he's saying, yes, you need to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit in your life. But understand this, giftedness is not the same thing as godly character. Because we live in a world right now that's full of a lot of loud noise, don't we? I mean... This, what Paul's talking about here makes so much sense to me because I've got a teenage boy that plays the drums. <laughs> he came home from school. I'm in band. We're like, great, what instrument did you get? Hopefully it's like the saxophone or the cello. I got percussion. All right. <laughs> he, in his room, banging on the snare drum and the xylophone and doing <clears throat> At first, it's really noisy. At first, it's just chaotic, but... As it grows, as he hones that gift, as he strengthens that gift, it actually becomes very beautiful. And in our culture, we really, especially American culture, we've really leaned into celebrating people's giftedness above their character. I mean, we have, we have an entire generation that is being led by people on YouTube who have, for, for a moment of fame, just a, a moment of, of acknowledgement, have, have shown some level of giftedness that, that somehow is being interpreted as character. And so we've got people that are gifted but have no character that are leading our children daily. And we do this in just about every aspect of our lives. We, we celebrate and elevate giftedness above character. And what Paul is saying is this. You need the gifts of the Spirit in your life, but if you don't have the character of the Holy Spirit, you need to stop talking. This is important. This is very, very important that we have the, the character of God's Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit developing in our lives. Because not only do we do this on social media, and not only do we do this when we elevate our, our entertainers to a place where somehow having a good ability to act now gives you a, a right to speak into the, the moral issues of society. Because we elevate giftedness over character. We do the same thing in the church. And this is why right now in, in America... The American church, it just has this epidemic of pastors falling. And the reason is because through things like social media 
and church launching organizations, which are great. We believe in it. We give to it. But never before in the history of the world have 20-year-olds been pastoring 10,000 people. Before, by the time somebody got to pastor a large church, they were, they were older and had been through some life and had already been tested quite a bit. But what we've done is we've created the perfect storm where, where giftedness is elevated before character. I just want to tell you, when it comes to the things of God, character always comes first. You can ask our staff whenever, we, whenever I sit down and talk, I'm going to hammer the character drum. I'm going to hammer the character drum because giftedness is easy. Character takes work. So Paul makes it very clear. You, you, you gain nothing if you don't have the character of the Spirit in your life, if you don't have love. And then he goes on in the next chapter and begins talking about prophecy. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. See, you see that, right? This is the second time in three chapters that Paul says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Pastor, I just don't think that's for me. No, 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 no. He's saying, like he's not just making stuff up. He's saying this to encourage you to pursue the gifts of God in your life. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I think in the days of, of people knowing any recipe they need to know by simply getting on TikTok, in the days of, of anybody that, that needs to know something, quickly getting on Google and, and searching for wisdom from Wikipedia, in, in the days where your kids can watch wildcrats and know more about animals than you've ever known, We need to be a people that lean back from that just a little bit and say, I need to discern wisdom from God. We need to be the kind of people that can hear the wisdom of God and not just the wisdom of our age, not just the wisdom of a knowledge generation, but the wisdom that only comes from heaven. We need to be people of wisdom. And this is essentially what prophecy is. Prophecy summary Prophecy is very simple. It is the ability to perceive what God is doing and then to articulate it. It is that simple. It's not somebody with a staff and some storm behind them and they're, no, like, no, no, no. It's 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 being able to see what God is doing and then to say what God is doing. That's, that's, That's what prophecy is. And we need it in the body of Christ. Imagine what would happen if men and women in the house of God would begin to recognize what God is doing and be able to share with their friends what God is doing. And I love that Paul gives us guardrails when he introduces this idea. He immediately gives us guardrails for what prophecy should look like. He says... Anyone, he says, uh, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, for their encouraging, 
and for their comfort. If you want to discern if it is a prophetic word, it's got to begin here. It must be strengthening, it must be encouraging, and it must be comfort. Like, if you think that your doom and gloom thing is is from God, I'm I'm telling you it's not. According to the Apostle Paul, the guardrails are strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Because what God loves to do is to take ordinary men and women who can hear his voice and to share with them what he's doing so that he can then share with the people around them what he is doing. Because there's this incredible thing that happens inside of us when we recognize that God is at work among us. God using ordinary people to do his work is an incredible thing. An incredible thing. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. I read this two weeks ago. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. This is not some obscure side sector of Christianity. It is the will of God that old people and young people, men and women, wealthy people and servants all have a connection to God to be able to speak what God is doing in the world around them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says it like this. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Contempt means you, you believe something is beneath you. I'm too educated for that. I'm about, contempt of court in, in, in the law means the whole, like somebody bringing me to court and, and the judge having judgment in my life is beneath me. I'm above this. The moment you do that, you are now going to be charged with contempt of court. And what, what, what Paul's saying is, don't show, don't show contempt for the mysteries of God. Allow him to operate in your life. And then he says this, but test them. So don't, don't think they're beneath you. Just test them. Do they line up with the word of God? Do they strengthen? Do they encourage? And do they comfort? Because if they don't line up with the word of God, or they don't strengthen, encourage, and comfort, it's not a prophecy. This lining up with the Word of God thing is very important, right? There are two major world religions that began as Christian religions, but through prophetic words that were not submitted to the Word of God, they became something completely different. One is in America, and the other one is Islam. And in Islam, the Prophet Muhammad, he was a Christian praying in the mountains, and he had these visions, and he initially thought they were from demons, but his wife told him, no, you need to keep listening to this. Rather than submitting it to the word of God, it became a completely different thing. This is why the scripture says, if I or even an angel from heaven teach you any other thing than it is in this, in this book, let it be accursed. Prophetic words always submit to the word of God. The word of God does not change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So if there's a prophetic word in the body of Christ today, it's got to be encouraging, it's got to be strengthening, it's got to be comforting, and it must line up with the word of God. And then he says this, but, but test them. He says, hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. And I, I love that he says this. He, hold, this is like my dad used to always tell me. He said, ah, you know, just eat the meat and, and spit out the bones. <laughs> eat the meat and spit Because sometimes someone's going to tell you something that's encouraging, but it's a little. So what you do is you, you take what's good and you spit out the bones. Somebody's like, I'm spitting out the bones right now. <laughs> Simmer down. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 says, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well. This is Paul instructing a younger minister named Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, there, there have been words spoken of your life, and the reason I'm writing this letter to you is I'm trying to pull the strength of those words back out in you. I'm trying to remind you of what God once spoke into your life so that you can do better, so you can be strong in the faith. Let me share just some stories, and then I'm going to get into some ground rules. Some stories about prophecy. So, I... Um, I had been part of a denomination for, for several years. I did youth ministry for nine years in that, and then I pastored a small church for about three years. And my wife and I recognized that we were just not on the same page theologically with where they were. And so we recognized for us to keep our integrity, we needed to move, move out. And so we, we, had, we resigned the church and moved to Idaho. You're welcome. And... We really didn't know... We didn't know what we were going to do, and... Um, and I, I was working out at the YMCA in Caldwell at that time. And yes, I used to be swole back then. So I was kidding. <laughs> so, so I was working out at the Y, and, um, and there was this guy on the decline bench press. And you got to realize, like, I, I, I'm from Canada. I'm from Canada and Alaska, which means, like, Canada's very white, okay, you guys? <laughs> it's, just, it's like rice, okay? And... <laughs> Alaska is not much different. And so I'm at the Caldwell Y, and it's not like that there, okay? And there's this, on the decline bench press is this guy. He's Hispanic. He's got tattoos on his face and his neck. He looks like he's probably got a rough past. And, and so uh, I walk up to him, and I'm like, hey, you mind if I mix in with you? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I get down. I'm getting ready to bench press, and this guy leans over, and he says, hold on, stop. I'm like, oh, no. Like, uh, like, I don't know what to expect, what's going to happen. You know, that's, that's, I'm just, we all have weird biases, right? So that's, that's where I was coming from. And he says this, he says, I, I think God has something to tell you. I think God is telling you that you left um, all the relationships that you'd built your life around, and he brought you here and you feel lonely, but God wants you to know that he brought you here so he can put the right relationship. He's rebuilding the relationships you need to be able to move forward here. I'm saying, I'm saying that, that may seem vague to you, but to me in that moment, I was like a puddle. I was a puddle because this man, all he did was he was able to see what God was doing as I was getting, I, we're covered in sweat, we're in a gym. See what God is doing and say it. 
Now he's my barber. <laughs> Great guy. Let me give you another story. So I had been at this church for about a year, um, and I'd been just serving. And um, all I did was stack chairs for about a year. I, I think I may have spoke once. And at the end of that year, and I started roofing during that time. Um, roofing's hard work, people. <laughs> and, and, and I was roofing, and the church board asked me, they said, we would like you to be the next pastor. And, and my, my immediate response, whether it was right or not, my response was, I would rather stay on roofs being stung by bees than get stung by people. <laughs> as I'm going to have to hear from God. And they said, well, that's fine. Take your time. And so the next day, I, it was a Friday or a Saturday, I went to a worship service in Meridian. And the only person, it was a room of about this many people. The only person I knew in the room was my wife and my cousin. I didn't know my cousin's wife. I didn't know my cousin's kids. I only knew my cousin and my wife in the entire room. And I'm just worshiping. I'm like, God, do you want me to pastor this church? Do you not want me to pastor this church? Do you, like, you need to speak to me. And I'm going back. I felt like I was like a little kid in the backseat of the car. Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like, like where are we going to eat? Where are we going to? And I was just like, but. so finally I was like, God, I feel like I'm really ruining this moment. I'm going to stop complaining about needing to hear your voice. And I'm just going to worship you and enjoy this moment. And if you choose to speak, I am listening. And over on the side, they had communion. And so I, I got up and I walked down there by myself, received communion by myself, just raised my hand, was just, just worshiping the Lord. And this guy walks up to me. I, I never met him before and I've never met him since. And he says, I feel like I've got something to share with you. If I'm on, you can receive it. If I'm off, I don't receive it. And he's kind of waffling back and forth. I'm like, dude, just go for it. He says, I feel like God told me to tell you that you were in the venture of your gifting and calling and you were bold and courageous and you, you made a, a bold and dangerous move in leaving that. And, and in doing so, you've lost confidence in God's plan for your life. You've lost confidence in your calling and you've just lost confidence in yourself. And I feel like God is telling me to tell you that your next venture is right in front of you at this moment, and you're supposed to do it. And God says, go and be bold and courageous. You guys. You guys that, 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 that's all I needed. It wasn't somebody with a staff, like, oh, it was just somebody that could just recognize what God was doing in a, in a random person and be able to, to communicate it like it transformed the trajectory of my life. And I don't even know the guy's name. Let me, let me give you another story. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, that, know this, but this building that you're in is a miracle. So like halfway through 2020, I, well, not halfway, this is March, so April, probably in April, we'd all been locked down. And I just felt, in fact, right off the bat, I felt like God was going to give us a building. I called, I called my overseers because we were meeting in a school at the back of a Nampa Christian school. And, and, and I called my overseers and I said, I feel like God's about to give us a building. I think I'm going to cancel our lease at the school. And they said, not now. Like 2020 is not the year to cancel anything. They're like, they're like you, you need to renegotiate or you need to defer payments, but don't cancel. Good, good advice. Good wisdom. So we just deferred, we renegotiated is what we did. And, um, and during that, I just kept praying, God, whatever you're doing, I'm open to it. 
And just within two months, two to three months later, the Lord literally gave us this building. I know to you that's not impressive, but like, I'm not saying like I'm a prophet. I'm definitely not a prophet, but I'm saying just that ability to, to see what God was doing and to articulate it is an incredible gift he has given to the body of Christ. A few months later, I was uh, at some of our overseer's uh, house in Walla Walla, Washington, and they had brought in some people to come uh, just kind of pray over some pastors during that time and just speak in, into our lives. And so my wife and I were there, and this, this man comes up. His name's Tracy. He, he starts praying for us, and he says, you know what? Um, he said, you told me the story about this incredible building that God has given you. He said, but I see acreage. I see land. Um, there, there's there, there's going to be there's land with, like, grass on it. God's going to give you land, like acreage as well. Well, what he didn't know is there's this huge parcel of land behind our church that, that we now have as of the beginning of the year. I'm not saying he's like saying, thus saith the Lord. He's just, just sensing like this is what God is doing and then, and then saying that. Just sensing what God is doing and saying, saying what God is doing. So here are some, some, some things you need to know about prophecy as I'm, as I'm wrapping up. First is this, is that, is that prophecy always builds. It, it builds. Remember what Paul says, it strengthens it encourages and it comforts. Those are the guardrails. If it does not strengthen, encourage, and comfort, it is not of God. It, it, prophecy is not corrective in nature. He strengthens. He builds up. In those moments when I, when I didn't know what I was going to do and somebody just came along and said, I just feel like God's in this moment. Like the, I was so, so uplifted. When, when, when Dominic leans over the, over the bench press and just tells me, I feel like God's going to establish your relationships here. Like, I was so, like, my, my, my loneliness was so comforted in that moment. So it builds. The next thing is this. Prophecy confirms. Rarely is prophecy going to tell you something you did not already know. It's going to confirm something you already know. Here's what it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 25. It says, As the secrets of their heart are laid bare, talking about people coming into church where there's prophecy, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. If you've ever, ever had somebody come to you and just share with you something and you recognize God is in this moment, it, do, it doesn't take a beautiful band. It doesn't take a preacher with a microphone. In that moment, you recognize God is, God is here right now. Like the God that spoke the world into existence cares enough to show up for this guy at a church in Meridian and have a complete stranger just come up and share something. Like in that moment, I just felt like my soul was bare before God. 
And it creates these monuments in my life. I look back on it, I say, God was in those, those moments. But prophecy tends to just confirm things you already know. So for me, for about two years before we got this building, almost every other month on the dot, if, if I had realized what was going on in the moment, I, I probably could have timed it. I would have a complete stranger come up to me and say, I feel like God has called you to be a voice to this valley. And Clark, who's very involved here, he remembered, because I used to have these conversations with him saying, I don't know what this means. Does this mean we got to do the TV thing? Because I hate my own voice. I don't know what God means, a voice to the valley. What does God mean by that? But, but literally, I would be in a uh, I was in flying in and a complete stranger I'd never met. I was in a, I was counseling with a church member, somebody I'd never met in my life walks up to me and says, I believe God has called you to be a voice to this valley. I, I, I was in Sacramento, just, just at a, a gathering of people that did not know me. And one of them says, hey, I feel like God told me to tell me that, told me to tell you that you're supposed to be a voice to this valley. It, it wasn't that like God's trying to shake my neck because I wasn't listening. That's not what it is. It's that during that time frame, there were about 12 people that were able to discern what God was already doing and simply articulate it. So when you hear the same thing over and over again, it's just confirmation of what God is already doing in your life. God's, God's already at work. They're not like, thus saith the Lord. They're, they're just, they're sharing what God is already doing. They recognize what God is doing. And that's a powerful thing. Right now, somebody's like, I, I wish that would happen to me. It would happen to you if the body of Christ was activated. If men and women weren't afraid to sense what God was saying, say what God is saying. John chapter 10 says this, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12 says, ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Listen, the third thing I want to say is that prophecy involves listening and speaking. It involves recognizing what God is doing and saying what God is doing. It strengthens, it encourages, it comforts. It's not weird. It is incredibly healthy. Recognize what God is doing and say what God is doing. And so here are some ground rules in this church when it comes to prophecy. Because some of you are like, oh no, it's about to get weird. God's not weird. People are weird. So we have ground rules. Ground rule number one, if you feel like you have a word for someone else, you're able to recognize what God is doing and you want to share it. Ground rule number one, no pulling the God card. You don't get to go up to somebody and say, God says, blah, 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 blah. You don't get to do that. Thus saith the Lord. You don't get to do that. Instead, do this. Go up to them and say, hey, I was praying about you or I was praying and you came on my heart and I just wanted to share this with you. And you share it with them and then you say, 
Does that resonate with you? Does that make sense? And if they say, yeah, then what you do is you turn so they can't see and you fist bump. Yeah, got it. But what you don't do is you don't say, God told me. What, what happens when people start doing that is manipulation. We don't do that. We shut that down. You let them be the one to tell you if you're on or off. Which leads me to my second ground rule. If they say, no, you're way off. No rejected prophet syndrome. We see this in the Old Testament over and over again. When, when a prophet is rejected by the people, he goes and sulks and he's upset. He's frustrated and then he's just, everybody's terrible. I, I was right. They were wrong. I was right. No, 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 none of that. No rejected prophet. You're growing. You're learning. We all need to be coachable. And so if we're wrong, we just need to be okay with, okay, I was wrong. That doesn't mean I'm always wrong. It just means I was wrong. And I can now recognize what the voice of the Lord does not sound like. I've been doing this a long time, and there's times when I'm way off. And I don't beat myself up and just grumble. Uh, no, I say, okay, I was off. I had pizza. So no rejected prophet syndrome. The next thing I want to say is this. We, we say what we sense God is doing, and then we stop talking. Say what God says, and then stop talking. Like, just because God gave you a word does not mean you have 10 minutes worth of content. Just say it and be done. One, one of my mentors, his name is Dr. Jeffrey Garner. He pastors in San Francisco. Um, when he was in uh, Stockton, California. Anybody, anybody been to Stockton? Woo, woo, 209. And uh, he was at the Sherwood Mall, if you guys know where that is. And um, he was at the Sherwood Mall in Stockton. And uh, he, he was, when he was younger, he was very zealous for the Lord. And he was, he was walking through the mall, and he saw a guy sitting. You know how at the mall, sometimes in the middle of like an intersection, there will be like a... Uh, maybe like a garden type area or something with like a, you can sit on it. And there's this guy sitting on those tiles with the plants behind him. And Dr. Jeff sees him and, and he just feels like the Lord tells him, go to this guy and say chocolate fudge. <laughs> and he's like, that's super weird. I'm going to keep walking. So he keeps walking. He doesn't do it. And he does this thing and he comes back by. He sees the guy a second time and he feels like the Lord is like, you're supposed to say chocolate fudge. And he's like, this is stupid. And so he keeps going. A third time he walks by and he sees the guy and he's like, fine, whatever. This is, I'm gonna look like an idiot. So he walks up to this guy, which just so you know, like walking up to somebody in Stockton is a big deal just alone, right? So he walks up to him and he's like, he's like, hey, I know this is gonna sound really weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to say chocolate fudge. And this guy starts weeping. He starts, so in the middle of the mall, starts sobbing, like heaving. He can't catch his breath. So Jeff sits down and they start talking and the guy tells him, he says, what you don't know is this, is that I've got a gun in my car 
and I was on my way out to the foothills to go kill myself. And I said, God, if you really care about me, you'll give me a message. He said, when I got here to the mall, I walked in and I said, God, it's got to be so weird that no one could make it up. They, They have to say chocolate fudge. The Bible says that the secrets of their hearts would be laid bare and they would know that God was here. Like in that kind of a moment, that guy will never question if he is loved by God, if his life matters, if he has value in that moment. Say what you're supposed to say. Stop talking. Chocolate fudge. <laughs> I feel like the Lord says chocolate fudge. And what it means is, you know, when you blend the chocolate with it, no, 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 no. Don't do that. You don't need to be God's editor. Just The next thing is this. If you're in this church and you feel like you have something to say to somebody, and you're especially if you're trying to step out and, and learn how to hear the voice of God, run it by a leader. We've got lots of leaders. Run it by one of the leaders. Go up to Bronson. Bronson Bronson's very good at this. Go by Bronson or, or, or others in, in the house. Just go by and say, hey, this is what I'm sensing. And what they may say is, yeah, that, that's your honor. They may say, you know what, you're on with this piece. Go tell them this piece. Leave the rest out. The rest is you. They may say, like, that's good, but now is not the time. Run it by a leader because they're going to help you develop discernment on that. And one of my last ground rules is this, is you don't need the microphone. You don't need a microphone to have a word of God, word from God for somebody. And on occasion, I will have people that I will let come say something. But that's very rare. And even the ones that do come up and say something, they probably heard 20 no's from me before they get a yes. Okay? So what that means is, if you come to me and you're like, Pastor, I think I have a word for the church, and I don't know you, The answer is no. And by I don't know you, it means not like I know your name, we've we've met. No, the Bible says to know them that labor among you. I've got to know that you've got to be around this house long enough and have talked to the leaders with maybe words that you've had. And so the leaders are like, actually, this person, Pastor, just keep an eye. This person's on. There's, There's sometimes the leaders will come to me and say, this person's on. If I don't have that, the answer is no. <laughs> no microphone for you, which is better. Because what happens when the body of Christ stops thinking that in order to give a word from God, you need a microphone and a band? Imagine what would happen if the body of Christ was full of people who during a moment of worship were just open enough to the word of God, open enough to the voice of God, that they could see what God is doing in somebody else's life and just walk over to them and pray, just say, I just want to pray with you and then begin to share what God, like that transforms lives when men and women just hear the voice of God and do what he says and say what he says. If you could stand with me all across the room. Is that all right? It's working. Um, I would say this, if you're with somebody and, and they're receiving a word from somebody and you sense that it is 
It is from God. It's a, it's a prophetic word. And you'll know that because it lines up with scripture. It is strengthening, it is encouraging, and it is comforting. I would, I would tell you, get out your phone and hit your voice memo so they can have it later. There's just something encouraging about being able to go back and listen later. Just a side note. All right. If you, um, if you want God to, to work through you, if you want the gifts of the Spirit to be active in your life, would you just kind of raise your hands in the room? Just kind of, just like, God, I, I want from you. And I just, want to, I just want to pray a prayer of activation just over this church. Lord, you did not call the church to be insipid, frail, stifled, quelled, or calm. But you called the church of the living God to be an active army, hearing your voice and acting upon your voice. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would begin to develop and to draw out the giftings and the callings among your men and your women, old and young in this room right now. Lord, release your gifts into this house, not in some weird, crazy way, but they would be coupled with character and love so that people could be edified, so the common good would be had. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray our ears would be attuned to your voice. I pray our minds would be sharpened by your word. And I pray that our mouths would be tamed by your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, Release your gifts. Release your gifting in this room. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We will do what you say. We will say what you tell us to say. In Jesus' name. in the room today and for you, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. If you're just, that's where you are, I just need to give my life to Jesus. I'm done doing it on my own. I'm turning to him right now. If that's you, would you pump your hand really high in the air so I can see where you're at? Yeah, just real high. I see that. I see that. Yeah. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to repent and believe. It's that simple. Repent means this. We turn from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that don't please God. And we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. And he pulls us into, the, into a relationship with him. The kind of relationship where we can recognize what he's doing and tell others about it. Pray something like this with me. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Would you forgive me? I'm turning away from them now. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried for three days, and he rose again with all power in his hands. Right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. 
say these words. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision of their entire life. Best decision of their life. God bless you. Let's respond. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.